You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the podcast again. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Red Sox reporter, Ian Brown. Ian, we're going to talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame ballot. A lot of former Red Sox on there. Some of them have been on there for a while. Uh, Some of them are new to the ballot this year. We'll talk a little bit about that. Win projections are out, the early win projections for 2018. And the Red Sox and Yankees check in at interesting positions but I want to start with the same topic that we've been kind of starting with every week on the podcast that is J.D. Martinez who remains a free agent the latest kind of information that's been leaked as far as J.D. goes is that the Red Sox offer that we talked about a little bit last week on the podcast the numbers came through a little bit supposedly this is obviously all reports and rumors Five years, $100 million. When you look at that number, Ian, obviously it makes sense that J.D. wouldn't take that. Here's a guy that's been asking for $30 million, and to get just $20 million for, I think, less years than he probably wants as well is probably a no-brainer. But I think you got to give some credit to the Red Sox here because obviously nobody else is topping that offer right now. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the Red Sox really want J.D. Martinez, but they want to be smart about it. And they want to um, bid on what's out there in the market and not just, you know, what J.D. Martinez and Scott Boris think that he's worth. And just like uh, the market, like for J.D. Martinez, it hasn't really emerged. It hasn't really emerged for a lot of players right now. So they put that offer out there just to say, hey, we're very interested. You know, $100 million isn't exactly um, a small commitment. Um, so they're waiting to see uh, where this market goes. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll come back with, with a better offer at a later time. But I think everybody's surprised is at the slow pace of, um, just this entire winter, not just with JD, but with you know free agents all around baseball. I think we're all antsy to start seeing some player signs, so we can see how these teams are sort of shaping up uh, heading into 2018. And it has started to pick up a little bit over the last week or so. Trades and signings. Jay Bruce has now signed with the Mets and obviously the Garrett Cole trade. Things like that. So things are moving a little bit, but a long way to go for sure. And JD Martinez has said that he's willing to take this into spring training. Now, saying that and actually doing it are two different things. That could be just a kind of a ploy to, to get people going because he's you know saying he's being patient. Um, I think once players and pitchers and catchers start reporting to Florida and Arizona, I think the pressure maybe swings a little bit to the player at that point. Wouldn't you think if he's still out there, a free agent, and sees that everybody else is getting to work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this guy is sitting around uh, doing his daily workouts every day. It's got to get monotonous um, after a while, and all his buddies are at camp uh, getting ready for the season. Yeah, I don't see it. And it's not like, uh, you know, if the worst that he does is has to sign uh, for $100 million over five years, I mean, there's, there's worse plights people have been in in their life. Um, so it's not, it's not like he doesn't have an offer. So I, I think that at some point something's got to give here. It's uh, it's just been a staring contest for weeks now, and I'm really curious to share to see uh, who's going to play first. And maybe at the end of the day, you know, I think that he signs for something like five years at 125 uh, million, you know, something like that, 25 million dollars a year. Uh, maybe there's some sort of vesting option there. Uh, but let's just get on with it because this is <laughs> kind of getting tiresome for all of us, just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen here. Yeah, that's actually the exact number I was actually throwing around with some other people earlier today. It was what was five years? Add another five million per year, and that would make a lot more sense as far as getting to what he's looking for. And and still, I think if he came out at that point, people would say the Red Sox maybe got a bargain considering the market at this point. All right, moving away from J.D. Martinez, uh, some of the 
evaluations are out basically on fan graphs looking ahead to 2018 how many wins teams will come up with as far as projections go these obviously change as more players are added to each team but in the early projections no surprise the astros check in at number one 98 wins Dodgers number two, 94 wins. So there's your World Series participants from 2017. The Indians, 93 wins. No surprise there. The Cubs, 92. And then the Red Sox, Yankees, and Nationals all come through at 91 wins. So tied for basically the fifth spot, which that seems to be a logical spot. I think a lot of people, because of Giancarlo Stanton and everything the Yankees have done here, would have said, oh, they're the favorites. But according to... These numbers, and obviously Fangraph's numbers are based on a lot of different things, they actually have the Red Sox and Yankees in a dead heat. Kind of interesting, Ian, just seeing those numbers at this point in the offseason. Yeah, it is interesting because, like you said, you know, a lot of people would look at the Yankees as clearly the favorites because you know, last year the Red Sox won the division, I think it was by uh, one or two games. And, uh, you know, the Yankees had the best power hitter in the game. I think what it tells you is that the people um, like some of these Red Sox hitters to have an uptick over what they did last year. Uh, they like this team with Raphael Devers in the lineup for a full season. They like uh, this team with David Price in the rotation for a full season. Uh, so there's, you know, some things to look at here uh, when it when it comes to the Red Sox. But uh, yeah, these numbers are a lot of fun, uh, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what these two teams do uh, before camp to maybe, uh, you know, upgrade their teams further. Whether the Yankees are going to add another arm, they're talking to you, Darvish. Uh, whether the Red Sox are finally going to get JD Martinez, and where those uh, probabilities would go from there. Yeah, certainly a lot of things likely to change in those numbers between now and opening day. We will see and we'll see. But I would think both those teams, 90 wins is kind of that that number where you're confident you get to that point, you're probably headed to the playoffs. So in that sense of things, it's a good number to be around for both Red Sox and the Yankees. All right, the Hall of Fame ballots have been out, obviously. The announcement coming out next Wednesday. It'll be live on MLB Network, MLB.com, um, as well as I believe Facebook this year will be carrying the announcement live um, obviously, plenty of former Red Sox still on this ballot. Just wanted to go through them a little bit with you, Ian. Uh, Roger Clemens still there. Sixth year on the ballot now. It's also the sixth year for Kurt Schilling. So two former Red Sox. Um, obviously, one that started his career and had so many great years before going elsewhere. And then you have Schilling, who obviously ended his career and, and had the bloody sock in the World Championship in 2004, all of that. Amazingly, they're both in the sixth year in the ballot out of 10. And as of as we record this podcast with 45.3% of the ballots in, they are both at exactly 65.6% of the ballot. You can't make that stuff up, Ian. These two guys, um, they, they seem to be both trending in the right direction, although Schilling may be a little quicker than Clemens at this point. Yeah, you know, let me start with Schilling because he's a little bit more of a clear-cut um case with less uh, variables to talk about because you're just judging him on his pitching and not some of the other things that are out there with Roger. But uh, look, uh, Schilling to me, uh, very much like Jack Morris, who finally got into the Hall of Fame uh, because he was not just uh, a workhorse for his team for so many years, but also, you know, who would you rather have in a big game than Kurt Schilling? But, uh, you know, some of the numbers he put up are, are pretty impressive. And I think what happened was he got overshadowed a little bit uh, pitching with Randy Johnson, uh, pitching with, with Pedro for that one year. And people don't realize just how dominant this guy was once he finally figured it out. Too bad he had some some arm problems and some maturity problems uh, earlier in his career. But uh, this guy is a horse, and you know I know his low, his win total is low at 216, but uh, pretty much all of his other numbers to me are Hall of Fame worthy, and I think that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, Clemens, uh, a no-brainer when you take out the uh, performance-enhancing 
stuff, obviously, because even, uh, you know, you just take his career up through like 96 when he left the Red Sox. He was probably, uh, he had 192 wins at that point with three Cy Youngs and all those strikeouts. Probably a Hall of Famer at that point. Uh, just a, a dominant, dominant career. And it's unfortunate that some of this other stuff kind of uh, cast a cloud over his candidacy so you don't know um, how that's going to work. And, it's, you know, I would, I would be of the mind to just say, look, um, the steroid guys, how are we going to know who actually did it and who didn't? Just, just do what people have talked about, put an asterisk next to guys who went in during that time and say they played in uh, what was you know called the steroid era or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but these were the best of the best from that time, and I think that's the only way uh, you're going to be able to do it. I know it's going to upset the current um, Hall of Famers who have been very vocal about not wanting anyone um, associated with PEDs in the Hall of Fame, but I just don't see how you know we're going to play judge and jury right now. Uh, and decided that, oh, Manny Ramirez failed the test, so he's not in the Hall of Fame. But Roger Clemens might have done steroids, but uh, he never tested positive, so maybe he is in the Hall of Fame. It's, uh, it's just too hard to do. We are in complete agreement as far as that goes. If you look at the numbers from a year ago for Clemens, he finished at 54.1%. He did have a big drop-off when the final ballots kind of came out, which if you look into the numbers right now, it seems like he'll probably finish this year in the high 50s with four more years on the ballot. It, it just it makes you just wonder how many people will thaw on that issue as far as his getting in. That on the Schilling side, because you don't have the PED shadow, he was at 45% last year, and currently at 65 You figure he'll drop a little bit as well. But that's going to be a decent climb with four more years on the ballot. I feel like Schilling is actually on a pretty good pace, and we will see. It's obviously going to come down to it. My thought, though, is if Jack Morris is in the Hall of Fame, Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. one way to look at it is to compare players. And if you're going to say Jack Morris is a Hall of Famer, I don't know how Kurt Schilling isn't. Yeah, and I think with Jack Morris had a more longevity than, than Kurt Schilling, but Kurt Schilling at his best was a more dominant pitcher uh, than Jack, and the numbers bear that out. So I think those two things offset each other a little bit, and I think they, they should both be Hall of Famers. I was long uh, proponent of, of Jack Morris, and I was glad to see him finally get in, and I, I thought from the jump that uh, you know, Kurt Schilling was a Hall of Famer. All right, and then other two guys that are on this list. Johnny Damon's in his first year on the ballot, and it looks like it'll be his last as he's at 1.6% right now. And Manny Ramirez on the ballot for the second time. He's at 24.5%, and I think the difference, I mean, if you look at them as players, Roger Clemens, clearly, if you take out the PEDs, an all-time great pitcher, no doubter. And Manny Ramirez, if you take out the PEDs, is an all-time great hitter and a no-doubt Hall of Famer. The problem is Manny got caught <laughs> and times, didn't right? seem to really be bothered by that to the point where he got caught again. I th- that is going to be the thing, and it's hard to imagine him rising up from that 24.5%. Um, is that, is that kind of how you see that, the fact that Manny was kind of a two-time offender and, and that's just not going to – there's no way to kind of win the voters over at that point. Yeah, I mean, if I, you know, Manny's going to be penalized for his stupidity. Uh, you know, well he, put. You know, yeah, because look, he, uh, you know, he didn't try to mask the fact that he, that he was cheating. He just, you know, where some of these other guys might have found some masking agents or something, and maybe some of these guys are eventually going to get in because they didn't fail a test. That's why I think that uh, this whole issue has been so so cloudy. That's why I really like the idea of just finding the best of the best from this era, putting an asterisk next to it, saying this was a steroid era. Fortunately, that's over. We hope now, but like Manny was one of the best pure hitters I ever saw. Just covering him, I know that it, that his numbers, uh, maybe some of it came from PEDs, but not all. Look, this guy worked as hard as any player 
I've ever seen. I mean, he was he was at the, at the park at ten in the morning on a game day, um, studying film, swinging. This guy was tireless with his work ethic and wanting to be great. His technique was off, off the charts. And, you know, as far as Johnny Damon goes, you know, one of my all-time favorite guys to cover. Uh, just you know, real real uh, joy to be to be around. But uh, you know, I think he made one or two All-Star teams. Just not not quite just in that next level down. He was a very consistent, solid. Uh, player for a long time, but just not not a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, I agree. I would put Clemens in. I would put Manny in. I would put, obviously, Bonds in, all those guys. And I was on the fence as far as Schilling goes, and I've always said the last couple of years I'm biased because we work with Jack Morris here at MOB.com that I wanted him to be in. And once he got in, it kind of changed my opinion on Schilling, and I think he should probably be in there now as well. But I'm one of these guys who likes to see Though that you know, get those guys in there because if you look at some of the the Hall of Famers from from years in years ago, there's some questionable guys. So let's get the questionable guys in there if we need to right now. All right, that is going to do it for MLB.com extras, our Red Sox edition for Ian Brown. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.